I think we'll start kind of a series here for a little bit on Wednesday night. We've been kind of tying together with our Sunday message. This will be a little bit of a break from that, and uh, but it's a good one, and it's one that uh, if you, uh, it's on, let me see what I said, Relationships and Marriage 101. So, here's the thing. The truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if you're married or not married, or if your relationship's doing good or not good, you need to understand this topic. And you need to understand it to a depth uh, that is out of this world. You need to understand this in a way that is heavenly, that is godly, and if you have, you know, I know it's nobody in this room, but if there's anybody watching, <laughs> nobody here would ever be thinking this. If the first time you go, oh, great, you're the one that probably needs it the most. <laughs> the one that goes, oh, man, I want to hear about some faith or victory. Well, this is faith and victory. Amen. And you're going to see tonight why you need to know about this subject. And so let's get into it. And uh, we'll, uh, there, uh, I would say there's at least four or five parts to this. And uh, tonight is marriage is a picture of God's love. And that's why you need to know about it. Because if you don't understand marriage and relationships, or if you're headed towards one and you don't understand that marriage is a picture of God's love, you're going to miss out on the bigger picture of what you're called to do as a Christian. You're going to miss out on it. So I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26. And so we know the story of Genesis, and I just want to go through it pretty quickly and let's talk about it. He says in Genesis 1.26, He says, then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And you know, a couple of weeks ago on Resurrection Day, we said this, what kind of God does that? What kind of God says, you know, every other God that I've ever heard of, you know, God with a little g, not the God, but every other God made up in the minds of man, you know, not the one that existed beforehand, Every other God would say, no, you're lower than me. I'm not, you're not equal with me. I'm over you. You come to me to get your stuff. You know? Now God gives us his stuff, but he gives it unconditionally. But those always have condition, and they always keep it that way because they're over. And yet our God, our loving Father, says, I'm going to make them like me. I'm going to make them like me. And so he makes them, he made us in his image and in his likeness. Well, that's revolutionary in itself. That, you know, the whole point at the Resurrection Day service was what kind of God does that? Our God, our loving Father does that. So let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now this is going to be important because what he's saying is, he's not saying uh, uh, an absolute man is equal to me. 
No, we are, you know, he says later on in the word, he said that the clay can never be more than the potter. You know, does the pottery think that they're better than the potter? You know, that's, that's wrong kind of thinking. We were the creation. He was the one who created. So we can't be greater than him. But as much as we can be without being him, he's made us equal. Does that make sense? Now that may be revolutionary to your mind and to your thoughts, but it's all throughout the Word. And this was what God wanted. He wanted us to act like Him, talk like Him, move like Him, walk like Him, think like Him. He's given us the mind of Christ. Jesus says, as as you sent me, I send them. Jesus says, we'll talk about this some, as you loved me, you loved them. So as much as we could be without being Him, as much as we could be in the eyes and the plan of God, He made us equal with Him. That's an amazing concept. It's an amazing concept. So here He says this, And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and, uh, and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And uh, we said that the other day, we're, we're over the creeps. You have dominion and authority over the creeps. And see, that's funny. Every time you hear it, I don't know why. <laughs> it's like, you have dominion over the creeps. So, you know, when that guy or girl is, you know, being a creep, I'm just saying, in Jesus' name, come out. No. And God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. In his own image. In the image of God. Then in Genesis 2.18. He says. Then the Lord said. It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. Mm. The Holy Spirit just dropped a bomb on me. It's good. Then the Lord God said. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. This is verse 18. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper suitable for him. So here's the thing. There was not found a helper suitable. So in other words, God surveyed what had been made. He surveyed all the animals and he said, this is not worthy of man. And this is what the Holy Spirit just dropped on me. God looked at all the animals and at that class and said, man deserves a class higher than that. And yet we've had the mind of man, not the mind of God, but the mind of man keep, try to keep women in that class in a lower class and that's wrong thinking wrong thinking and they've tried to keep them in this lower I'm ruling over you I'm having dominion over you like I'm supposed to have dominion over everything else it's wrong thinking and we'll we'll discuss that more so then he says this he says so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and he slept then, the, then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man, and he brought her to the man. All right. Now here's an interesting point 
if, if you're not married right now, or if you're, you know, dating, or, you know, you're in that category where you do not have a husband or a wife, one of, let me just say, one of the biggest traps, probably the biggest trap I see for people that aren't married is finding a mate. And so I want you to notice something because God is not a respecter of persons. So I want to speak to you if you're not married uh, on this very briefly is you don't have to chase down a mate. It's wrong for you to do that. It's wrong for you to constantly be going after a husband or a wife. And here's why. Because God loved man enough to say he needs somebody. He loves you enough to say they need somebody. But the difference is, instead of chasing after the mate, Adam was about the father's business. He was doing what God called him to do, and this is what I want to say and wrap that point up is, if you are single at this point, whether you're dating or not, don't worry about finding a mate. You be about the Father's business, and if necessary, God will create that person for you. Because He's not a respecter person. He loves you just like He loved Adam. So run hard after God. Just run after Him. Don't worry about it. God will make it evident. So, then he said, this man said, this is, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. Let me, as a picture of marriage, let's just say this, one flesh, not two. One flesh, not two. One flesh, that's God. This, we've messed that up in this society, that's, and the world has taught us that that's, there's other ways to do it. God says one flesh. If we're going to honor him, we're going to honor how he says to do things, one flesh. Genesis 3, 6, and 7 says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings now it said in the earlier verse they were naked already but they didn't care now they cared because they had this knowledge of good and evil and uh there's some theology and i i, I kind of lean that way too that they were covered they were naked in the flesh but they were covered with the glory of god all right and when they sinned they stopped they ceased being covered with the glory of god and now they had to be covered with a uh, physical means they heard the sound of the Lord, and, and let me just put this, two people that are redeemed in God, in other words, they know Christ, and they are one flesh, they can walk in the glory of God together again. Amen? That's good stuff. Alright, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Uh, let, let me back up, not done there, hold on. A lot of times what you're missing in your life if you are married, 
what you're missing in your life is you're not walking as one flesh in the glory of God. And so what you need is to start walking in the order and the ways of God so that you can be covered in His glory and that will bring it. But you're, you're blocking that. And so you want to make sure that you don't block it. So then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day and the man and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the, uh, from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And he said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? It sounds like a daddy. You know, finding his kids in the cookie jar. <laughs> it's like, what's those crumbs on your mouth? <laughs> you know, what you got there? Nothing. Uh-uh. Nah, nothing. <laughs> Who told you? The man said, and, and this is in true man fashion, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree and I ate. So we're always looking to do that. It kind of still is going on today. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. And men, before you get too excited, First uh, Timothy 2.14 says, And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. So in other words, man just decided to sin. Yep. <laughs> he wasn't deceived. He just said, I'm going to do it. Yep. So that was where the sin came from. So here's what I want you to see. One of the very first things that God created, male and female, he created them. And he talked about why they should become from two to one. So one of the very first things that he created was the union of marriage, was the covenant of marriage. And this is what I want to show you. One of the very first things that the devil attacked was the covenant of marriage. He hates it. He hates marriage. And there's a reason for it. He hates marriage. You want to know why? Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 23. Ephesians 5.23 says, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. And we'll talk about the head and you know submissive and authority later. But the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church. And then in verse 25 through 27 it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Now here's the point, and here's why Satan hates marriage. This is why he's attacking it. This is why he won't let it go. Because a proper marriage is a picture of God's love for mankind. Let that sit. 
a proper marriage is a perfect picture, if it's right, of God's love for mankind. So when you have a man and a wife that love each other properly, and you have a relationship that where they love each other properly, people can look on that relationship and look on that marriage and see, that's how God loves me. And that's why the devil won't leave it alone. That's why he's attacking it in every way. He's attacking the sanctity of marriage. He's attacking, he's attacking the relationships themselves. He's trying to bring strife and division. He's trying to get the husband to say, God, that woman you gave me. He's trying to get the woman to believe, believe deception. He's trying to get the man to not take his authority in the marriage, not over the wife, but over all the creeps. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> He's trying to get him to step outside of who he's called to be so that the picture on earth, the earthly picture of God's love will be destroyed and people won't see it. It's a picture of who God is. But when we understand it, I want you to see this, that Back to verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. He himself being the Savior of the body. When the relationship is right, that husband can, can bring about, now not in his own power, but there's a principle here that applies not only to the big picture, but to the little picture as well. When the husband's operating in love and the marriage is right, that, that proper relationship brings salvation to the family. So there's pieces in our lives where we're not experiencing the fullness of salvation and it threads back to what's the marriage look like. So see, this was a message of faith and victory after all. Ephesians uh, 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her so that he might sanctify her. In other words, when this love is correct between a husband and a wife, it, it not only sanctifies us when Christ loves us, but when a husband loves a wife, it brings a sanctity into that home. It, in other words, it brings a holiness into that home. In other words, it brings us closer to God. And a lot of us are not experiencing the closeness to God because we've let this be disturbed. Trying not to be harsh at all but just let's get real this is important stuff and see if we don't understand this kind of relationship and here's the key whether you are in a marriage or not and whether it looks pretty or not if you don't understand the picture of what it's supposed to look like you don't understand what it really looks like between you and God and that's where we can be disconnected. And if we will get the picture of God right, and we'll start watching and learning and knowing who He is, all of a sudden the relationship between you and the spouse will start to line up right too. They work hand in hand. When in 
verse 26, he might sanctify her and cleanse her by the washing of the water. And he would present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Do you know how... Put your thing down. How I treat my wife as one, how I treat her and love on her, it, how I do that is how she is presented to the world. I can present her and I can raise her up or push her down based on how I love her. And the truth of the matter, I mean, I'll, I'll just be honest with you, I ain't always done that right. Right? <laughs> I hadn't always done that right. But I'm working to get better. And the more I know about God, the more I get to know Him, the better I know how to treat her. And the more I focus on how to treat her like God would treat her, the more I know about how God loves me and wants to handle me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So I can be responsible for how she's received in the world. Just like I can also be responsible for how God is received into the world by living that kind of marriage. You know, many times one as a pastor, one of the things that I face is, you know, well, this person's being horrible to me. I know that God doesn't want me going through that. And eventually what they're heading towards is, is it okay with you for me to get a divorce? That's what they'll try to get out of me. And you've got to understand something about this. No, God does not want you, you know, in torture. God does not want you in that kind of situation. No way. No way He wants you in that kind of place. But this may come as a surprise to you. He doesn't want you broken up either. And here's, here's part of the reason why. To say, when we come into marriage, it's a covenant to each other, and it's a covenant to God. It's a covenant between two. And to say that God wants you broken up is to make God a covenant breaker. And He ain't. He's not a covenant breaker. And to think that he wants you broken up is wrong. Well, but Brian, he's doing stuff that he ought to be thrown in jail for. Okay, I understand that and I get that. But here would be the heart of God. The heart of God would be that he was completely in repentance, changed, turned 100% around, and started looking like Christ to you. And the relationship was restored. That's the first priority on the heart of God. Not to say, yeah, you're right, he, he stinks. God always is a restorer and He is not a covenant breaker. And for you, the problem is, and, and it's not just women, it's men too. The problem is that when we go in there and we say that I, just, that I can't take this anymore, what we're really showing is not what the heart of God is, but we're showing that I don't have enough faith to see them as being able to be changed. Well, that's a whole nother issue. 
That doesn't mean you know, you're in a bad situation. You need, you need to put some separation between you. But for you to go into that situation and say, I don't know if we'll ever get back together, you're already giving up faith on the power of God to work in that person. And never are we supposed to drop faith in that area. God's not a covenant breaker. Matter of fact, he says this in 1 Corinthians 13.8, Love never fails. So when love is in the covenant between you and the, your spouse and God, see, it's a three-way relationship there. And when love is in that, God says, love never fails. And for you to say that God wants to break covenant and wants to divorce, and Paul made it very clear too, for you to say that or even think about that, you're making God a covenant breaker and you're exactly fulfilling what the devil wants to do to show God to the world as a covenant breaker. And he's not. He's not. Paul said, look, it's because of the hardness of your hearts because he knew that people would drive themselves mad because they wouldn't ever forgive the person and have faith that God could redeem them and restore them. And, he's, and he knew it's because of the hardness. And so our job, he says here in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, three things will last forever in the new living. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. In other words, these things, they're eternal. They last forever. They're eternal. And we've got to understand that this major point of tonight, marriage, a proper marriage, is the picture of God's love towards us. You know, we could never be Christ Himself. But, I want you to look at Galatians 3.28, and it says this, There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free man, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We could never be Christ Himself. We could never be God Himself. But we can be as equal as we can be without being there. And that's the way that God's made us with Him. If you notice, it's like, okay, we have the body, we have the head that's Christ, and we can't ever be Christ, but we're also equal with Him. In this, in this John 17, verse 20, it says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for, also, for those also who believe in me through their word, that we all may be one. Who's he talking about? He's talking about believers. He's talking about Jesus. And he's talking about the Father. And he's saying that we all may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. You see that us has got a capital U on it? That we would be in them. So that the world may believe that you sent me. See, it's one thing to say that, that there's a God. It's another thing to say that there's a God and He has accepted all these people as His children and made them one. What? You mean, and see, this is, this is, I was telling the story the other night at the men's group about 
uh, T.O. Osborne when he went off to the nations. And the first time he went out, he was a huge failure. In the end, he was an incredible success. But he went out the first time, he was a huge failure. And he went back and he said, God, I can't do it like that again. You've got to show me something. And God said, I want you to teach them about covenant. About blood covenant. And show, basically, that God, because blood covenant in God's eyes and in most of the world's eyes, except for America, is an absolute covenant. If one person breaks covenant, it's worthy of death. And when, when he started talking about God who made blood covenant with mankind, God made blood covenant through Christ with mankind, he, the, the nations flocked to that message because they understood blood covenant. When we start to see and show that God wants us to be one with Him, the nations will start to say, I need that. And they see a picture of that by how we live our marriages. By how we live our relationships. They they all may be one even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them. In other words, Jesus is saying, look, the glory you've given me, can you imagine the glory that God has given him? And then he says, I'm giving it to them. In other words, whether you recognize it or know it or not, the glory on Christ, he's already given it to you if you know him. You are adorned with his glory. What a statement. You know, this is the same glory that knocked people out on the mountain of transfiguration. That got so bright, they're like, whoa. This is the glory that when he spoke, they all fell. And it appears, raised up the naked boy that we talked about last week. (laughs) This is the glory. And you're already covered with it. And see, now I want you to notice, This is the heart of God to take His glory and adorn you with it. Not just in marriage, but the heart of God. And see, what's so important for us to recognize this is this is not just a marriage seminar. This is a heart of God towards you seminar. My job as my job as a husband is to take the glory that I have and, and not to be up here like, ooh, look at me. I'm a preacher. <laughs> well, whoop de doo. I ain't much of one if I don't know how to take the glory that I walk in and adorn my wife in that kind of glory as well. To show her that love, to show her that glory. To to help my kids see that. As a picture. You know, we're talking about doing a seminar sometime for raising kids. And one of the biggest points in raising kids is you are the picture of the Father's love. And however your kids see you is how they're going to see God. That's a huge point. And when you say, hey, I'm going to do something and you don't do it, they think God's going to do it the same way. Our job is to portray God. And show 
who He is. But the heart of God is to give you all that He is. And the, and the heart in a marriage needs to be the exact same thing. That everything, we're one, we share it all. If I've got good, you've got good. All the good, you've got it with me. Because it shows the Father. The glory which you have given me, verse 22, I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you have loved me. That they may be perfected in unity. You know, if we go back to the story of the garden, God reached in and He formed woman out of the rib. You know, He, he could have, and, and some women think this, taken it out of the brain bone. You know. <laughs> but He didn't take it there. Amen, men? Thank you. Thank you for that resounding support. <laughs> he also, hey, watch it. You'll like this part too. He didn't take it out of the foot either. Woman's not under the foot of man. He took it out of the closest point, the part that protects his heart. He took it out of the center of that man. He took it from, from the core of who he was. And he said, I'm going to make a help mate. Now in... In the original English, it would have said, and you read some older Bibles, it would say a help meet. Right? Now we've turned that into, you know, the word mate in today's language, but it was originally help meet. And that came from the word to be metered. To be metered. And so what happens is, what God was saying was not that, oh man, he needs a helper. Somebody, they'll do everything he says. That's not what God was saying. Nicole said, Amen. <laughs> she said, Show enough. What, it, what he was saying was, I'm going to bring him a helper. Now, I want you to notice that language because that's the same language he gives to the Holy Spirit the helper. You know, do you think God says, All right, Holy Spirit, you know, you're part of us, but you're down there. No. He's going to give them a helper. But it's one that will be metered. That will be equal. Yeah. That doesn't mean that they don't have roles. We have roles. We have different roles from each other. But they are meant to function perfectly as one. They are meant to function perfectly. Metered. Equal. Measured out to an equal measure. So in other words, we're not talking about one is way high and one's way low. We're talking about they are perfect, a perfect union. And see, as we start talking about that between husbands and wives, I want you to also remember that this is a picture of who? Christ and the church. And so now, where does your opinion of Christ lay when he wants to say, hey, they're a part of me. Yeah. They're made now through me equal with me. 
They're made now as a part close to my heart, not under my foot. They are a part of me. And we, who were two parts, have now been made one. Now all of a sudden, your opinion of God starts to rise and all we've done is just cracked open the book on what a proper marriage relationship looks like. That's why the devil attacks it. That's why he's after it. That's why he wants to kill it. That's why he keeps putting pressure on it. Because the more you start to understand the proper relationship a husband has to the wife, the more you understand how God loves you and what he thinks about you. How, how he thinks about you. What he wants to do with you. And it's all good to give you a future and a hope. And all this language starts making sense when you start to see and understand just exactly what God has done through Christ to his body, to his bride. And how he wants us not only to have that between he and us, but he wants you to have that between you and your spouse. It's meant to be uh, mimicked, multiplied, magnified, and beautiful. But the world has turned it into ugly and crusty and fighting. And, and it's because we've hardened our heart. Because we've stopped trusting and getting to know who God is. Relationship and marriage, as we're going into it, you're going to see more and more the heart of God towards you. And if you don't understand this, you don't understand God. It's not just whether or not you're married or not. It's do you know Him? And you realize that we go into captivity because we don't know Him. So how much do all of us need to know these things? A lot. And you know, there's probably going to be somebody watching. They're going, well, Brian, that's just right, right, right. And I'm telling you right now, you need to repent of that attitude. Because that's not the heart of God. Because if that was the heart of God, he would have set up in heaven and go, look at all them stupid, crazy people. They'll never do anything else. I ain't going down there. That's the same attitude that would have withheld Christ from you. But that was not the heart of God. The heart of God said, I'm coming to see you. I love you. And I don't care what you've done. I'm going to give to you unconditionally. And I'm going to provide salvation for you. Whether you ever accept it or not, I'm going to pour myself out to death to show you that I love you. I'm going to do what I need to do. And it's going to be not based on how you've treated me, but it's going to be based on how much I love you. And that's what we need to take into our marriages. That's what we need to take into our relationships. And listen, if you're not married yet, you need to have knowledge of this stuff because you need to know what the proper one looks like. Without knowing what this looks like, you're not going to know what the right one from God's going to look like. And you need to know. It's an important series. Lord, I just ask right now, I just if you just want to start you know, we're going to get more into this. We're going to learn more on marriage. And honestly, there's probably going to be some stuff for all of us to repent of, honestly. But if right now you're just saying, hey, I don't want to wait till next week. I need, to, I need to repent of some stuff right now. I just, I just, just come down and let's just pray over this and lift each other up and just move out of doing stuff the old stupid way and move into the real life of God 
So if that's you and you're just saying, look, I need to repent, or you're saying, I just want help. I want help in finding a mate. I, want, I, want, I don't want to have to chase after him. I just want God to, to help me have the right person and them only. Or I'm married now and I just want help in my relationship. I know that even though it may be good, it needs to be better. And if that's you and you want prayer for it, I just ask that you would come up right now and say, Lord, I want your help. It's you saying, Lord, I'm humbling myself to you. So come now. Don't, Don't wait. If you want help in your marriage, come now and say, Lord, I want help. I want help. Come. I want help too. I want Nicole to come up here and let's pray. <laughs> Let her pray over me. <laughs> and before we pray for them, <laughs> before, <laughs> <laughs> before we pray for everybody else, Lord, I just ask, we just ask, Father, that we would be glorified in your love. Lord, we ask for our own relationship and our own marriage to be exactly what you've called it to be. Nothing missing. Nothing broken. Nothing lacking. And Lord, we just ask for your glory to be poured out. That we may become one like you are one. In Jesus' name. And we praise you for that. And thank you for it, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just... We thank You. And we just ask that these marriages would be anointed in every way. That You would be glorified in these marriages. That they would rise up to the heights that You have called them to be. Lord, we just ask that eyes of understanding would be opened and enlightened, Lord. So that marriages can be what they are supposed to be. And we thank You for it. Thank You, Father, for Your goodness and Your grace. Thank You, Father, for Your goodness and Your grace. Thank You for Your anointing in Jesus' name. Thank You, Father, for Your anointing. Lord, everyone up here represents a heart that says, I want more of You. I want to know You more and I want to be more like Your love. And Lord, we just ask that those things would be granted in Jesus' name. That they would be granted in Jesus' name. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Lord. We just give You the glory. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father. Thank You for Your love and Your mercy and Your grace. Lord, we thank You for mending Lord, we thank You for restoration. We thank You for a heart that says, I won't give up. We thank You for a heart that is not a covenant breaker, but a covenant keeper in You, Lord. And we receive a kept covenant and promise by You and Your power. Lord, we thank You for blessings overflowing in every marriage. In Jesus' name, we thank You for it. Lord, and anybody that's Watching this, we just pray, let your blessing and your anointing be on them and in them in every way. And we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.
God wants us to be a picture, a perfect picture of His love. And we have that capability. Ashley, I didn't see you sitting there. Come on up. <laughs> Lord, we thank You for the perfect picture of Your love coming forth in us. Thank You, Father. Thank You, Father, for healing and restoration, Lord, and all of anything. Any, any black Mars in history, Lord, we just ask that You would pull out Your eraser and start to erase them and rewrite Your love in every life. And we thank You for that. Thank You, Lord, for marriages being blessed. Thank You, Father. Amen. Blessings and anointing be on her in Jesus' name. Thank You, Lord. And in that marriage... Thank you, whether, I don't even know if you're married, but single. Thank you for that marriage to be. Lord, we just thank you for that it's the right person. Let me just have you stand in for anybody who's single. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, this not something, we don't have to look for that spouse. We don't have to chase them down. We simply have to chase you down. And you will provide. You are a provider. And you will bring who we need to have in Jesus' name. And you have done that already. You are not held by time. You've already seen the need and you have made provision. Lord, right now in each life that's single that will go after you with everything that they have, Lord, you saw the time in their life that they needed the help that was equal to them. The one that needed to become from two to one. You saw that and you created the perfect ones for each other to match up and be who you created them to be. And it be glorious in your name. In Jesus' name. Lord, we just ask for those things to be. And Lord, let people be strengthened. Let singles be strengthened to keep their focus on you and to seek you first and your righteousness and not be concerned with trying to find a mate and getting off track by the cares of the world that the world has taught them that that's where success, happiness, and fulfillment is. Success, happiness, and fulfillment is only found in you. And we thank you for your help, your strength in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for coming up. Father, we just praise you and we thank you for these marriages. Whether they be present or future, these marriages would be a picture of you in every way. And Lord, we give you the glory because as we see these marriages, we start to see just how much you think about us, what you think about us, how much you care for us. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us and have a great week.